Are you good angry or bad angry? Are you good happy or bad happy? Well, that depends. Are you above the line or below the line? Now, really, we're not talking good and bad here. We're not passing moral judgments, but there are ways for you to be mad in a way that's healthy and happy in a way that's unhealthy. And that's what we're going to talk about today with a very special guest. So stick around and check it out. Welcome to the Productivity Shift Podcast, the only podcast for women in charge who feel overwhelmed with all they have to do. Whether you own your own business or lead a team or take care of your family or all of the above, this is the podcast for you. Choose how to spend your time so you can make progress on what matters most to your life and business. I am your host, Elise Enriquez, a certified life coach, productivity dork, and the creator of the GIST program that helps you get your shit together. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey, shifters. It is so good to be back with you again this week. This week, we're kicking off a series of four episodes where we're covering the Enneagram. But we're covering the Enneagram in a different way than I think anybody's ever done it before. And that is by looking at this concept above the line and below the line and what that looks like for each Enneagram type. For those of you who know the Enneagram, you're going to learn more about it in the next episode. But for those of you who do know about it already, you know that there are nine types. So how do I end up with four episodes? Well, that's because today's episode is going to be focused on the concept above the line and below the line, which in and of itself is a really useful tool. So even if you're not somebody who's interested in the Enneagram at all, listen to this episode of nothing else because you will learn a valuable standalone tool. And then in the next three episodes, we're going to look at how that tool gets applied or what that looks like to be above the line or below the line in each of the nine Enneagram types. My guide on this journey is Lisa Alessi. I'm going to give you my take on her bio, but I'm also going to include her bio in the show notes. Technically, Lisa Alessi is a leadership and team development coach. She's got over 30 years of experience as a consultant with teams and leadership. She is phenomenal at what she does. I experienced her as a one-on-one client where we worked on covering my Enneagram type and learning more about myself and applying those learnings to make changes in my life. So that is my take on Lisa, but there is so much more to her as a professional coach. And like I said, I'm going to provide her full bio in the show notes. So what you need to know for now is that Lisa's amazing and you should be really pleased that she's joining you for the next four episodes. All right, let's dig in to this first discussion, discussion one of four, where Lisa and I talk about the concept of above the line and below the line. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for being here with me. Hi, Elise. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I talked about this in the intro already, but you're, you were my coach. You were my coach through a really important part of my life and gave me a a really important resource to help me understand myself better, to accept myself more, and to be aware of the patterns that are often uh, the way you phrase is operating under the hood, right? (laughs) Like the things that are under the hood. So I could see them and, and make choices about how I wanted to behave, like really be able to take aligned action in my life. And it's made all the difference for me. So first, let me just publicly say thank you. So what I'm talking about though is the Enneagram and you have, you have the Enneagram that you're going to share with us, but you also have kind of an overlaying concept with it as well. So can you just tell us a little bit more about above the line and below the line 
and the Enneagram. So you tell me where you want to start. Yeah. So, you know, thanks, Elise. I mean, it's always such a joy to, to talk with you. And I figure we, we can talk about so many things. And when we were talking about potentially doing the Enneagram, I was like, oh, but there's this body of work called Above the Line, Below the Line. And it stems from a video that was created by the Conscious Leadership Group. And it's really easy to just Google Above the Line video and it pops up. But I'll include it in the show notes because it was it was so well done. It's so well done. I really loved it. It's visual. And, you know, it's like it's really great three minute graphic facilitation of what it takes for what we just lived through with the pandemic and COVID and continue to live through every day. But essentially above the line is where we are doing our best work, right? It's where we're most productive. We tend to be a lot more proactive. We feel a lot more spaciousness, like we can be creative. A lot of stuff that you talk about, Elise, where we can pace things, we can be purposeful. It's just where all the good stuff happens and we are engaged and we really have a lot of care and concern for the other people around us. So we can kind of roll with the punches a lot more. So oh. that's really a beautiful, yeah. I will. I, I love that it's engaged and still aware of the people around us. You know what I mean? I think that there sometimes can be this idea of progress at all costs. <laughs> and that sometimes leaves people like shrapnel on the ground <laughs> afterwards, especially depending on type. So I love, I love that it's that, that blend of things. Yeah. Because if, above the line. So the other aspect of this is that from a physiological perspective, it's where our bodies are primed to connect, right? So literally when you're in that space and you're, you've got care and concern for other people, you're really trying to understand where they're coming from. You're working on, you know, problems, but you're coming at it from a creative solution orientation. Your oxytocin is going to be flowing through the bloodstream, right? Mm -hmm. Serotonin, all the happy neurohormones are going to literally be putting you in that space of priming your body to connect and priming it to have really access to more of your prefrontal cortex where you have options and possibilities, which is very different than say, which is really like literally if you think about a line above the line is like where all the good stuff happens below the line is when we're triggered we feel threatened. It's where what happens when we're stressed. So if we're not get, getting enough sleep or, or we're working too hard or we're not getting breaks, it is how we will react in those environments or in that, that kind of state. And that's where we're, we're more apt to react really intensely about things. We might blame other people. We might criticize them. We literally are going into fight, flight, fight, or mm. fawn, which is in, in physiologically, what that means is that your adrenaline and cortisol are amped up. You are literally getting ready to do something, to take action, whether it's fighting something like a saber tooth tiger or fleeing as much as quickly as possible or freeze is like, you know, playing possum and playing dead. And then there's another fawn that we'll talk about a little bit later. But anyway, that's kind of those. I, I picture like with the saber tooth tiger, I'm like with fawning, are you kind of like, oh, come here, kitty, kitty. Exactly. <laughs> It's like, oh, well, let me give him compliments and maybe it won't eat me. <laughs> well, like, here's a little bit of steak off of my plate. There you go. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I have a quick question. Like, I, I can't believe this is occurring to me now as you're, because I've, I've seen the video, you know, I've talked about this a little bit, but all of a sudden I was like, does the line represent anything? Like, is there like, 
you and I both come from a, a training background that shares this idea of catalytic events, right? Where there's a change that happens where you can't go back to who you were before. And like the series, the, like the four phases that you move to, through from that. So it's almost like there's a thing that happens with the line. Is it necessarily event-based or circumstantial or, you know what I mean? Does, does the line represent anything besides being above it or below it? Yeah. So, well, so the, the line, I think, is symbolic for resilience. Mm. And so when you're at the line, there's a, it's kind of a threshold of resilience and above the line means that you're able, you may, and here's the thing with the above and below the line is that we are gonna, on a day-to-day basis, go up and down, making the oscillation up and down, up and down. The goal is not never to feel what you're feeling or to get it, not to get angry or, you know, to get in that reactive space. We're all going to get there. But the line represents the ability to get back up to it and get above it. And so you are actually having a lot more freedom and personal agency to choose how you're going to respond to something. Yeah. One of the things that you and I talked about before was this idea isn't like a below the line emotion. It's how are you expressing your anger? Is that how you would talk about it? You can be angry and above the line, right? Anger doesn't automatically put you below the line. Is that, am I getting that right? hundred percent. And it really is. This is where emotional agility, emotional intelligence comes in is like anger. So, you know, the other thing about the line is that a lot of times how we react to a situation when we're stressed is basically tapping into coping mechanisms we learned as kids. Mm-hmm. Saying anything you don't already know, right? But it's like we have these circuits in our brains of like when I feel this thing or I sense this thing happening, then I feel this way, and this is how I'm going to respond and react because it's what kept us safe and, and yeah. we survived. And so these are kind of some of these are a lot of automatic autopilot kind of functions, and we're not really recognizing what they are until something happens, like anger, and we've blown our top. And, you know, people are, are looking at us like, what's going on over there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now anger. So that's anger below the line. Anger above the line is literally when you, when you ask yourself, like, why am I angry? You take a pause, you take a beat, you take a breath. You really literally breathe. When you breathe, you're sending a message to the brain that, Hey, I'm not in fight or flight. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And then you have access to the prefrontal cortex to be like, what do I want to do here? Yeah. What is what boundaries being violated? Anger is usually a boundary violation. Either you violated your own and said yes to do something you didn't want to do, or someone is coming. Lisa, at you. that never happens. I never, never. do that. I've never <laughs> done that in my life. <laughs> right. Sorry. So it could be you could be angry at yourself because you said yes something you didn't want to do. Or yeah, or angry. Yeah. So and so anger above the line is just the healthy assertion of anger, which is mm. I need this. Or, hey, that didn't go so well. I, what I really would like to do next time is this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But we'll be much more communicative or self-expressive or self-explicit too. Of like, I would, what am I, what's going on inside? And what do I need to do on top half of the mm-hmm. circle? Being above the line. Awesome. Thank you. So, so can we take just one more example? Because I'm thinking of like, so then people would automatically think of like happiness or joy is an above the line, you know, feeling when, what would that look like below the line or what would, what would it look like on either side? Yeah. So, you know, pause, I I look at it as positivity or joy and above the line. I mean, that's an amazing thing that a lot of people naturally gravitate to in conflict and it can be super, it can be a superpower in the sense that it's going to lighten the intensity 
It's going to help people feel more connected. It's going to be like, hey, we can do this. We're in this together. Like, that's amazing. Below the line, it feels like toxic positivity, right? Mm. It's like invalidation. They're making something, they're making my situation, which I feel very intensely about, into like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's going to mm-hmm. be fine. And it's like sugar coating. And mm-hmm. that can be amazing. So t- toxic joy on the on the down low or on the mm-hmm. below the line becomes toxic positivity. And just recognizing that we need to toggle. We need to be a little bit more fluid with it. And for a lot of people, when they are, especially in times like we are with polar, the intense polarization that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, we need to know that when someone's not upset about something, whether they're hurt or they're sad or they're angry or whatever, the, the anxiety, the fear, all right, that. They're scared. Stuff, yeah. That whole thing, any of those feelings that they're, that's how they're feeling. And that needs to be validated. You may not agree with it, but even if you're able to be like, Hey, that sounds really hard. That sounds like really tough. How can I support you? Then mm-hmm. they can get to positivity or mm-hmm. things and looking through the options. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think toxic positivity has definitely hit the mainstream, that concept, because it does like, I I wrote a a blog post years and years ago, back when I had a blog where I called why I hate affirmations. Oh my gosh. The like hate comments I got on that were impressive. And if you, if they would have read it, they, the actual blog post, it's saying like affirmations are great, but they're not the only tool. And they're not great when you're blindly applying them and not feeling your feelings or when you're shoving them at other people and not letting them have their feelings. It's like, if you use it as your only tool, it's not going to be effective. There are other tools in the tool belt to use. And so it's not like, I feel like that's the, that was my way, way back early toxic positivity rant that I didn't realize I was ranting about. <laughs> well, in toxic positivity, I mean, a lot of it comes from our own discomfort, right? We want to yeah. make, we want people to feel better. We think it's in service to them, but a lot of times it's because we don't want to we'll be, feel better. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Don't pull yeah. me down with you, number one, or so now I think we're going to about, we're segueing now into Enneagram. Like for me, I'm a type nine and that can be a lot of like, if you're okay, I'm okay. Like when I'm not at a healthy level, it's very codependent and very like, if you're okay, I'm okay. So I got to get you happy so I can be happy, which could lead to really unhelpful and unsupportive behaviors of my person, whoever that is that I'm trying to support because I'm just trying to make them okay. I'm just trying to fix them so that then I can feel better instead of feeling better, like in my own skin. Yeah, no. And and to give you an example of how that works for me before we even go to the Enneagram, but it was very illuminating about the Enneagram is that for me, for me to be okay, you need to be safe for Mm -hmm. me to be safe. Right. Yeah. And I had this huge reckoning when I triggered someone in a facilitation that was a couple of years ago now, and they didn't feel safe. And I went through this whole swirl of just, well, if I can't create safety for other people, then who am I? Like, that's my mm-hmm. identity, right? And so that's what the Enneagram kind of helps you understand is like, that was the big thing and recognize like, yeah, we're going to get triggered and it's okay. And that's why this above line, below line tool thing is so cool because it's like, yeah, we are responsible for our own, we, we can take accountable. And if we need other people to behave a certain way for us to be okay, then we give our power away. Yeah. And the way to take it back is to know that we have choices and we can do, we, I can create my own safety. You can create your own comfort. You mm-hmm. don't have to remind everyone to be okay for that to happen. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, like, I, I love like you're like, you're kids 
you guys, she knows how to speak my language because she knows my type. (laughs) So, so let's talk about that because you actually already were bumping up against the Enneagram. Unless is there more to say on above the line, below the line though, before we move on? Yeah. So the only thing, okay. Yeah. It's the tool. Okay. So regardless of Enneagram type, but just being able to navigate the above the line, below the line kind of framework or whatever is the tool is really where you're at. Where you at? I, I like to use where you at as a colloquialism for New Orleans, right? And so, <laughs> where are you? Are you above the line or below the line? And, you know, at least you and I went through the same training, which is, you know, you name it to tame it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can name, like, you could be feeling great. That's good. We want to appreciate that. That's wonderful. But if you're feeling angry, the, the becoming more mindful gets you out of that autopilot and all of these neural networks that are automatic that gets to go boom, and you're over into the other side of a different, like being angry. And it helps you name it. So you're aware of it. So you can work with it. That's yeah. why this so it's like where am I what if what am I thinking what am I feeling and where am I feeling physically what am I feeling emotionally and then what do I want to do about that mm-hmm. that's the simple tool it's simple not easy because you have to remember right to do- <laughs> right, right well it's like you got to catch yourself right you got to catch yourself and like you said when you said breathe earlier I, I breathed I like I, I'm like oh, I better breathe right now you're like you gotta breathe and you know engage your prefrontal cortex and and I and I it, it is amazing to watch the transformation when somebody can just say how they're feeling and it's yes. kind of just like, oh, and now, okay, now we just get to take a pause and we can talk about who do you want to be regardless. And you and I, the language, you know, you used a lot with me was like this aligned action, especially for a nine aligned action, 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 <laughs> aligned action. And that's, you, you can't do that below the line, right. From what I, what I'm seeing, like, like, physiologically, there's so much that's kicked in without that breath and that pause that you can't then get yourself above the line again without that. Right. Yeah. yeah literally. And so it literally is. So pause, breathe and get curious. Mm. Right. And that's what you do as a coach. What mm-hmm. I do like you, it's like, Whoa, okay. You could feel. And so the other thing that's really interesting, if you're working with teams is that people will gravitate to the strongest energy in the room. Mm-hmm. It can be the crazy making energy or it can be the calm energy, right? <laughs> and so if you're sensing people getting amped up and a team could be two people, right? It's you and another person or it could be a group of people. Right. But it's literally when you sense that things are getting amped up, you can just slow it down, take a pause, take a breath. That's why in, in meetings now, people will do grounding exercises. It's super mm-hmm. powerful. Let's get here, the get here meditation or whatever it is, right? But you do the things to calm down the nervous system. So then you can actually really have a good productive conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and when you say like, I feel like the word productive productivity, I mean, anybody who listens to my podcast a lot generally gets what I'm, where I'm going for with productive. I think that it can be this energy, like this energy of driving forward and getting things done and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about productivity, it's really about making progress on what matters most to you while still remaining present to the people, experiences, and opportunities that are all around you. Again, that idea that one, you, you have to be able to get clarity on what you want. And sometimes the, the, a lot of the work that I do is clearing that runway for people because they're so overwhelmed, the stress levels are so high, the cortisol is soaring because there's just too much, quote unquote, too much to do that 
they don't even know what they want. And so it's like, I feel like my job is to give them a lot of breaths, <laughs> set up systems to support them, processes, flows to support them in taking those breaths. And even with that though, and so that way they can start to get clear about what they really want, because then we'll get to productivity. We'll get to be able to say, okay, here's what I really want to make progress on. Here's what matters most to me. Yeah. And that sometimes what matters most is rest. Sometimes what matters most is exercise. Sometimes what matters most is your business. Like it changes all the time. And it's being yeah. able to reflect on that and know that. And there's still, you know, you could be above the line or below the line. And there's still these, you referenced it already, like just these patterns of behavior yeah. that we learned to keep us safe in childhood, which is where the Enneagram comes into play. So we can do all that we want to with systems and processes and even above the line and below the line, which in and of itself, great tool. And yeah. we can make it that much more effective by knowing kind of some of the default <laughs> that, I, and I say default with quotes because it doesn't have to be default forever, or it doesn't have to be autopilot forever, because when you can become aware of it, you can start to make conscious changes. So talk to us more about the Enneagram, what it, what it is at the most basic level and why it matters when it comes to, to productivity and the way that we talk about productivity in my world. And we're going to stop this episode right here. I'm so sorry we took you right to the cusp of jumping into the Enneagram, but y'all, Lisa is such an expert. I really wanted to go deep on each of these Enneagram types, but we still did it in a way where we grouped the types together. So over the next three episodes, we're going to cover all nine Enneagram types and what it looks like to be above the line and below the line when it comes to each type. Now listen, to keep on listening, you don't have to know your Enneagram type. There is a lot for you to learn in just hearing about this concept, hearing about what above the line and below the line looks like for each of these types. And then if you want to explore more, I encourage you to reach out to Lisa Alessi to learn more about the Enneagram. And of course, if you are looking for maybe a lighter way to learn more about yourself, then check out What Is My Productivity Personality. It's my new quiz that I've developed to help you uncover what your productivity personality is, what's so great about you and your pr productivity personality, and some of the roadblocks that get in the way and how to remove those roadblocks. So if you want to check that out, go to EliseEnriquez.com forward slash quiz. If you want to learn more about the Enneagram and explore your type and want to learn more about Lisa, go to renaissanceleader.com. Again, there will be a link in the show notes. All right, that is all for this week. I'll be back with you again next week with part two of four of this amazing discussion with Lisa Alessi. Until then, keep making progress on what matters most to you.